Good morning. If you have your Bible, Exodus chapter 16. And uh, again, want to just encourage every one of you today as we look at this, you know the importance of looking at the entirety of God's Word is first of all, it shows us who we really are and it shows us who God really is. Now, I think there's a lot of times that we have a false concept of who we are and a false concept of who God is. He's my big buddy upstairs, and you know, me and God got this little deal going on. Well, you'll find out that really God doesn't make deals. God is a square God. He deals with us in His love, in His promises. But He's also honest enough with us to tell us who we are. Have you ever been around people that are egomaniacs? Have you ever been around people that are depressed all the time and always down? Well, you're not getting who you are according to God's Word. And that's why it's so important that as we study God's Word together, we get the entire counsel of God's Word. Exodus chapter 16. This is one month after the children of Israel left Egypt. Okay, they pack up, they're on their way to the promised land. So if you want to know what the diary was like for the children of Israel, here is one month, 30 days from when they left. Now they're they're on the other side of the uh, Red Sea. Pharaoh's army has been destroyed. They watched the ten plagues fall upon the Egyptians, yet it never fell upon any of the Israelites. And they saw all these things, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day. And you you might say, why am I going over this? Because this is a chapter of complaining. I'm always amazed by that. How much God does for you, and at the same time, we go, thank you God, but, and we start downloading on God as if in some way He shorted us. The Bible tells us clearly that God reminds us who we are. Now, something important to remember. The Bible says it's not within us as human beings to live righteously. It's not in our old sin nature, friends. That's why Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. It's not an option. It's a requirement. You must be born again. That that died in the garden that day when man and woman ate of the tree has been dead until we become born again. And that Spirit of God is born back in us afresh. Let's pray. Father, today as we go to your word, we just ask you now that you would show us, God, your divine providence and love towards us. And so as we study these words, may they come alive. May they not be just ink on paper, but Lord, as your word says, they become living and become part of us. In Jesus' name, amen. It says they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Now, I think this is interesting because really it could have been worded the wilderness of Zin, Z-I-N. But there was a lot of sinning going on. And so I think the word the wilderness of sin is probably very apropos. They're on their way to Sinai, where God was going to give Moses the Ten Commandments. Now remember, the Ten Commandments were never meant to justify a man. 
The Ten Commandments were given to show us what God's standard is and how man will never come up to it. In the New Testament, we remember when the early church, when people, the Gentiles, start getting saved, and they said, what rules and laws are we going to put on the, the Gentiles since none of our fathers could keep the commandments? You see, there's something wrong with this. There's something that is not, uh, this old sin nature that we have, this old body that we have, that's prone to sin. Now, some good news is, you're going to get a brand new body. The Bible says he's going to clothe you with his righteousness, which he's done, but then eventually you're going to get a whole new body. And I like that idea. When I get aches and pains, I, I tell people I can do everything that I did when I was 30. I just pay for it for a month. Now, some of you younger people are sitting here, they're going, what's that mean? You'll find out. <laughs> you just will. Providing the Lord tarries. Now, a lot of things going on in our world. We know the world has gone crazy. <laughs> it's always been crazy, but now it's like on steroid crazy. And what is interesting is that, um, of course, Al-Qaeda, the whole Afghanistan thing, they've been emboldened, they've got now $65 billion worth of America's latest technology completely in the hands of the enemy. They have all of our intellectual property, all this. This is the greatest military blunder in the history of man. There's no other, no other words for it. Uh, Al-Qaeda now is probably the fourth most powerful, well-equipped army on earth. Now, people make fun of them and say, oh, they're a bunch of ragheads. They, they, you know, they'll break and they don't know how to fix it. Friends, they'll find somebody that knows how to fix it. And you got to remember that this emboldens this Ezekiel 38-39 war that's about to happen, I really believe. Now, tomorrow is kind of an interesting day. It's Rosh Hashanah, not based upon the Gregorian calendar or even the Hebrew calendar, but upon the Jewish spiritual calendar. And tomorrow ends the Festival of Trumpets. Now, what they do in about a week from now, they start the Jewish New Year. It's called Yom Kippur. And so in order to prepare yourself to go into the new year, unlike we in America, that take New Year's Eve, sing, shall all acquaintance be forgotten, they have a week, uh, actually several days, of looking at their life. Have I wronged anybody? Have I taken anything that doesn't belong to me? Do, do, does, do I have ought against a neighbor? And for a few days, as they hear these silver trumpets blown throughout the land of Israel, they will assess their life and think about their life. And as they prepare to go into a new year, don't bring the baggage from last year into the new one. And so they do this, this festival of trumpet, Rosh Hashanah. And, and, and then what happens is on the, on the last day, when the first three stars appear in the Jewish sky... They blow the ram's horn. It's called the last trumpet. I often wonder if what Paul was talking about at the last trump is he referring possibly to that trumpet. If it is, it's some supernatural insight that God gave Paul. And all I can tell you is this. If the rapture happens tomorrow morning, that would be our time. Fine with me.
Time to get a new body. Time to get a new everything. Whatever I've got here, I'm leaving. Goodbye. But the question is, if the Lord was to come, let's just say tomorrow morning. Twelve hours difference roughly between Jewish time and Idaho time. Would you be ready to go? Or would you say, uh, wait a minute, I got some things I got to do. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, to be able to open the door quickly when he comes. I just want to encourage you that Jesus said over and over again, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. Watch ye therefore. Be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. I do believe no one knows the hour or the day, but I do believe we'll know the season and the course that the world is on and has been on at least for the last few weeks. I believe the world is on a collision course with no way out, friends. You don't equip sworn enemies of yours with your latest, greatest technology. And then in turn... Walk away and let them do what they're going to do. Everyone forgot how come we got in Afghanistan. That's where the cell groups of the terrorists were operating, which brought about 9-11. We will never forget. You'll see American flags. We'll never forget. We forgot. We forgot. And so what I'm saying is this. The world's going to change rapidly, I believe now. Be ready. You're going to be used by God. People in the world do not know what's going on. But you as Christians do. The American news media (laughs) is not going to tell them the truth. The government's not going to tell them the truth. Only you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He's the truth. Because you're in Christ, you know the truth. Now again, as they get ready, there's a week span of time, seven days, and then Yom Kippur, the new year begins. And so I pray that no matter what God does tomorrow, if God does not come today or tomorrow, I pray that um, we realize that we're in overtime and do everything you can to be about your father's business. One month goes by. They see all the blessings of God. And look what happens in just one month of time. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. (laughs) One month. 30 days. They just got done seeing the entire Egyptian army drowned in the Red Sea. Now remember, while all this is going on, there's a pillar of fire by night, keeping them warm. A cloud of smoke in the daytime, keeping that hot desert sun off of them. And while all this is going on, they still complain. Now, people say, well, we're a New Testament church. We don't study the Old Testament. How sad, because Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the Old Testament reveals to us our true nature. Now again, have you ever found yourself complaining with everything that we have? 
We have food on our tables. We have a roof over our head. We have all these different things. And yet I can still find room to complain to God about something. I look at this and I go, how could they do that? And then I see myself in the very pages. Isn't that amazing how we can do that? It says the whole congregation, not just one or two, they were all bellyaching. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out to this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. Moses, you're a rat. You're not good, kid. You're not good at all. I mean, that's what they were coming to him, and they were saying, look, you brought us all out here to die. After all that they had just seen in the hand of God. Isn't it interesting? And I've shared this before. Many people wonder about the celebration of Passover. How they'll have the roasted lamb. All these different things. But they have the bitter herbs in that dinner. And people go, well, what's the bitter herbs doing in this Thanksgiving, you might say? Why do they have... The bitter herbs are to remind them of the bitterness, what it was like when they were in Egypt, because we forget. Sometimes people look at their Christian life and say, well, you know, back when I wasn't a Christian, I partied down. Yeah. Really? Like that was some good thing when you'd wrap your car around a tree? When you would end up with all kinds of diseases, when you do all these different things that the world would say, do this and you'll be happy and we'd do that. And we got saved because we knew that was a stupid way to live. And then the devil comes along and says, hey, you know what? Think about it for a minute. Think about how you used to party down. Yeah, yeah, you were the life of the party with a lampshade on your head. You were dancing great till someone stepped on your hand. Yeah, you were a real dude. Well... You look at that and you realize the devil makes a lie look like truth. That's why we study the entirety of God's word. It reveals that by nature, all of us, we are unthankful. So these are things I need to be careful of in my life. Now, the thing that kept the children of Israel from going into the promised land, do you know what it was? A lot of people don't know. Smoking, drinking, chewing, hanging around with wild, crazy women. No, that's not what kept them from going into the promised land. Do you know what it was? Complaining. Complaining is the focus here of how God wants us to look at who he is versus who we are. Now, when you look at this, Complaining is denying the blessings of God in our life. Think about it for a minute. When you take inventory of your life, you look at the blessings that you have in your life. You know, God, will you give me a car? You give me this. And all of a sudden we begin to recognize the things we have. And we go, wow, God, that's pretty neat. When we take inventory... We thank God. By having thanksgiving in our hearts, it forces us to take that inventory how God has blessed you and me. This offsets the times in which the devil will come along and say, well, you know what? If God was really God, you'd have this in your life. He's forgotten you. Well, look what happens here. 
They complained against him. You brought us out here to die. Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare and bring it in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you shall know the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your murmuring against the Lord. But we... But what are we that you murmur against us? Now, a couple of things here. Look at this. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Wow, the glory of the Lord. I always want to see the glory of the Lord. I always picture like gold lights. You know, I died for two minutes. And people always come up and they ask me, did you see the glory of the Lord? Um, no, I, I didn't see golden puppies. I didn't see rainbows. But I was at peace. Now, I know some people who die actually do have that. Maybe I wasn't dead long enough. I don't know. I didn't want to hang around to find out, you know. But the thing is, what's really weird here, as you look at this, it says the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is in God's provision for you. Moses said, you guys are complaining. You don't have bread. You don't have meat. And you got to realize that they probably had their provisions that they took from Egypt. They're 30 days now into their wilderness journey. And they're probably starting to run low on supplies. And they're starting to get freaked out. And then people talk to people and the gossip starts building. And do you know what? Moses really brought us out here tonight. Really? He brought, yeah, he's really an Egyptian. Remember? He was raised in an Egyptian's house. This is a way that they figured out to kill all of us. Oh yeah. And I could just see the Jerusalem press going wild. Because look, look at it, and, and you ever notice how when you get around people that are gossiping, you know, yeah, and then they did this, and then they did this, and then they did this. none of it's true, but I mean, this is the way they're going to do it. Well, here's the problem they saw all these things that God did and forgot every one of them in only 30 days. Wow, friends, think about that for a minute. 30 days, they completely forgot who they were, that they were God's people. In the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord. God's glory for you is his provision for you. Do you see it? I'll tell you something. I forget that sometimes. God takes great pride, great demonstration of love to provide for you, to give you what you need. Isn't that what Jesus said, though? I'll provide for you His riches and glory. That's what God's going to give us. That's what his promise is. He likes to take care of us. And he has to show us that he will. He said this. There's going to be bread on the ground. We're going to get into the definition of what that is in just a moment. But there's going to be bread on the ground. And you're going to pick it up. But on the sixth day, you're going to get twice as much because there won't be any on the seventh day. Now, this was some kind of a special bread that had a good clock. (laughs) Knew when to show up and when not. Well, on the seventh day, it doesn't show up. So you take an extra amount only on Saturday to get you, or only on, on, on Friday to get you through the Sabbath on Saturday. Now, 
if you took more Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday than you were supposed to take, the Bible says it went bad. It went rotten. There was worms in it and it stunk. Wow, this is some kind of a weird thing. It's supernatural bread, friends. Now, something to think about. When we read this, I want you to think about something. Jesus said that he was the bread of life. In fact, in Psalms, I believe it's 72, it says that it was angel food. Now, you think about this for a minute. Jesus is the bread of life. And I need a daily portion of him in my life every day. And when we stop to think, well, you know, I got saved 20 years ago. I don't care about God so much today. You're running on empty. God wants us to have a daily relationship with this bread of life. Jesus held up in communion, which we'll be having today. And he holds up the bread and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Jesus all the time identified with the manna that came down from heaven. Jesus was that life-giving source that came down from heaven, that they were to partake of it. And he would nourish them through it. So it says, you'll see the glory of the Lord. Remember, the glory of the Lord is revealed in God's daily provision for us. Now remember, it was a daily provision. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. You see? So he says, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat, To eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your murmurings, which you have made against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. (laughs) Hey, I like that. God's heard your grumblings. You know, I found out something. God hears it all, as a matter of fact. You know, that's why let our yes be yes and our no be no, because what comes more of that is sin. Well, he says, Now it came to pass, Aaron spoke to the whole congregation, the children of Israel, that they should that they look towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you should be filled with bread, and all of you will know that I am the Lord your God. By the way, I think God puts us sometimes in tough situations so we'll know who our God is. Why, if God, you love me, why do I go through this trial? Because God's saying, I want you to come to me with your, with your, with your needs, not to everything else. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard their murmurings of the children of Israel. At twilight, you shall eat meat. God was going to do something interesting. He was going to bring food at night. Quails, by the way, a delicacy to the Egyptians. Now they're going to have a delicacy. So it was, verse 13, that the quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay on the ground all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness were small round substance as fine frost on the ground. So the children of Israel saw it 
And they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given this for you to eat. Uh, as we'll read on here, it probably looked a lot like sesame seeds. You didn't get a sesame seed bun, those little sesame seeds on top. Well, it, somehow it came in the dew. The dew would evaporate and it left all these little seeds all over. Now, there's a Hebrew tradition that says that right before all this happened, God had a mighty wind come, blow a lot of the dust away. And so the seed just kind of laid up on top of the ground. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is is what they began to gather together, sweep it up, as it says. In this very thing the Lord has commanded, let every man gather according to each person's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons, let every man take those who are in his tent. So every person gets an omer. Somebody says, how much is an omer? Well, somewhere in the, they figured out this could be anywhere from a, a, the size of a gallon, to maybe that of a, of a cup. It's an unknown amount. We really don't know exactly how much it does, but it was enough to supply what you needed for a day's living. And so the children of Israel did so, gathered some more, some less, because some families were bigger, some were smaller. Verse 18, so they measured by omers, and one who gathered it had had nothing over and some who gathered had lack had 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 no lack every man gathered according to each one's need and Moses said let no one leave any of it till morning notwithstanding they did not heed Moses but some of them left part of it until morning in other words they were going to kind of keep a little bit extra you know you, you don't know if you can really trust god or not so we're going to keep a little bit extra here so that way you know if there's a real shortage of manna uh, 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 and by the word the word manna means what is it <laughs> we're going to keep this what is it uh, we're going to keep a little extra in case you never know there might be it and they went to get it turned rotten they did not heed moses Some of them left apart till morning, and it bred worms, and it stank, and Moses was angry with them. How how do you know that they did this? I I imagine he could smell it. Do you know our sin stinks? Do you realize that? When we don't trust God, it it has a, a foul odor in your life and life of others. God's great pleasure is to take care of you. You're his kids. Never forget who you are in Jesus. All the way through the Bible. If God had to have ravens bring food to Elijah in the desert. God will provide for you in miraculous ways. He has ways of doing things that you don't know of. That I don't know of. But that's the God we serve. And to see God's hand provide for me when I know there was no way possible for him to do that, I go, wow, that's the glory of the Lord. See, a lot of times we want to see some magumenous thing that, oh, I don't know if that's a word, but it should be. Magumenous thing that shows us the power of God. And God says, I'm going to show you my glory and just simply providing what you need every day. You know, the people of the world, they don't have that. 
And I believe, friends, in the days to come, we are entering into the time of shortages. Have you noticed that? They're closing down a lot of American manufacturing, automobile company manufacturing, because we can't get the, uh, the chips that control all the electronics in the car. It's going to affect many different things. We know that wood and, and plywood and all those kinds of things, they go up and down like a, like a roller coaster. We're, we're in a time of shortages. I was talking to a friend of mine and he said the thing is that concerns him the most is when we start going into the shortages of food in the days to come. Because you see, you can't have this kind of insanity running without it affecting every aspect of our lives. But one thing that is exempt from that is God. God economy, God's standard is not based upon man's. Thank the Lord. And he provides for us. His word says he does. And God has given us a family in which we can turn to one another and see the glory of the Lord. And so he says, They gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. Uh, And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers for each person, and all the rulers of the congregation of Israel came and told Moses. And they said, this is what the Lord said, tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, boil what you will boil, lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. And so they laid up all in the morning. Moses commanded that they did, Moses, as Moses commanded, it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. So this is just a divine providence. It doesn't, it doesn't follow logic. If you keep it overnight and it rots, why would you find it not rotting as you gather it up the day before the Sabbath? It's because God was showing him he's greater than the issue at hand. Remember, you have a miracle working God. Jesus walked on the water. Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Have you seen the supernatural provision hand of God in your life? If you're a Christian, you will see that. It's not that, well, maybe someday you will see that God has a way of providing for you when there is no other way. I remember years ago, I was in a church, and um, I was raised in a very traditional church where we didn't have guitars or anything like that. And I was pretty much done with going to church. I didn't want to go anymore. My mom thought she had failed and, ah, you know, kind of thing. And um, I went out to this church, and uh, I walked in, and... They had a band, like kind of like we have here, but it, they had guitars and everything. And now you got to remember, back in you know 1972, that was pretty radical. You didn't see that. Uh, and and so uh, I, I remember remember being there, and there there was some guys that got together and practiced, and I would go and watch them practice, and I would record for them because I understood electronics. But they had a song, and one of the songs was Jesus. He's a way maker, Jesus. He's a way maker. One day he made a way for me. 
When my life was dark and dreary, Jesus came and he answered my prayer. One day, one day, he'll make a way for you. And I thought about that and I go, and it's funny, I remember that all these years, that Jesus, he's a way maker. He makes a way when there is no way. That's what God specializes in. That's what I love about the Lord. He, he makes things happen. And because you're in him, you're a person that makes things happen. You know, I heard it said one time, there's three kinds of people. Those that watch things happen, those that wonder what happened, and those that make things happen. I pray you're the ones that make things happen. Because you see, you're in Christ, and that Spirit of God in you that's alive will do that. Well, he says, Moses said, eat, verse um, 25, eat today, for today is the Sabbath, ask the Lord, today you shall not find any in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. By the way, this is the first time God begins to speak about a day of rest. Now, here's how people goof this up. The day of rest isn't that God was tired. It was an example to show us we need to take a day of rest and enjoy God's provision. Now, you may be in the paramedic field. You may be a doctor or you may be a, uh, in the law enforcement. Your day of rest may be a Tuesday or a Thursday or something else. But you should take a day off and enjoy God's blessings in your life. Well, you know, no, God, if I do that, then it'll overwhelm me. I've got to work every day to make it work. Got to keep your old nose to the grindstone. No, actually, you need to take a day off and see the glory of the Lord in your life. Let God bless you by providing for you and making up the difference. It really isn't so much that God needs a day off. Because Jesus said the Sabbath is not meant for God. The Sabbath is for you. Take a day off. God will provide for you. He'll make up the difference. People get it all backwards and think, oh, I'm good because I keep the Sabbath. No, the Sabbath is good for you. So you can take a day off. You can see God's provision. See God's hand in your life. You don't have to be like the rest of the world. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather and found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, The Lord has given you the Sabbath there. And by the way, given you the Sabbath. Notice that. It's not for God. It is for you. You know, it's really weird. People are so goofy. You know, God grabs us by the neck, holds a gun to our heads. You're going to take a day off whether you want it or not. You know, I I need that. Have you ever noticed now that you get older, from some of you that are a little bit older, and in the afternoon you get tired, and you think, gee, it would sure be nice to go in and take a nap. Am I the only one like this, okay? Remember your mother would come and say, it's time to take your nap. 
Oh, I don't want to take my nap. And you got to take your nap right now. Lay down and you'd fight with mom and everything like that. Oh, for the days of mom coming and saying, take your nap. Thank you, mama. It's something I really look forward to. But it's kind of the same thing. It's where God says, I want you to come and rest. But God, what about everything? What's going to happen? And God says, will you just rest in me? It isn't so much the day off. It's that you're trusting me to make up the difference. Oh man, so much better. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Verse 29, therefore, he gives you the sixth day uh, bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel called the name manna. They called this stuff manna. It was like white sesame seeds with the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. I I always envisioned it probably a lot like graham crackers. It's kind of my idea of what this stuff was probably like. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations that it may see, that they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. This eventually went into the Ark of the Covenant for those who are uh, Bible, uh, Bible scholars. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And so again, it went into the, the Ark. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came into the inhabited land. And they ate manna until it came to the border of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Wow, you look at this, an omer is kind of a still an undefined thing. Well, is that by accident? Or is it when we realize that Jesus is the bread of life? You know, there's sometimes I really need to just be immersed in Christ, in everything. Maybe during a worship service where you just let God just kind of deal with you. And then sometimes when you're driving down the road and you have to make decisions, I believe that the Lord is always there to provide what we need. I pray today that your rest is in Christ, your Sabbath rest is in Christ, that he has shown you his glory in his provisions for you. You know, it's interesting in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, it says six days you'll work, seventh you'll rest. Now, I think what's amazing about that tells me a lot about the nature of man. You know, when you go to college and they uh, run you through all the psych classes, you know, all I want to be is an auto body and fender man. No, you have to have the psych classes to really mess up your head. Okay, I'll take those classes. And they say things, you know, and they got all this stuff that they do uh, to kind of mess your head up. Um, in, in these classes, but really, again, going back, the Bible tells us who we are. By nature, we can either be workaholics or we can be lazy. Six days you'll work, seventh you'll rest. I know a lot of people won't work on any day. I know a lot of people that will work seven days a week and never stop. 
There's a balance that we need, but it tells me by nature we can get out of balance real easy because the old sin nature doesn't know what it wants. This morning, where is your rest? Where is your provision? Where is your glory of the Lord? Do you see God's provision in your life? And if you don't, I want to invite you to come to Christ today. Jesus was, he said, I was manna, the manna that came down from heaven. That's what you need. That's what you need to feed upon. Because as you feed upon Christ, we become more of what we're like, who we're with. You become more of what you worship. You worship money, you're going to get green and wrinkled, I guarantee it. You worship God, your heart will be softer. You'll be more thankful. You'll be more, uh, you'll recognize more of the presence of God in your life because this is what God does this morning. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and you are living, trying to provide everything for yourself, you're trying to call the shots. I just want to invite you this morning to accept Christ as your Savior. The Bible says that he died for you. He died on the cross for you. But not only did he die for you, he rose from the dead to prove he had power over death and to give you a new life that you need, so desperately need. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood for you so you could be forgiven. I think that's really neat. Greater love, the Bible says, hath no man than he lays his life down for a friend. Jesus laid his life down for you. And for that, I'm extremely thankful. The glory of the Lord, everything you need is in him. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're sick of calling the shots yourself. I'm driving. Where are you going? I haven't a clue. I'll tell you, when you look at the newspaper today... You don't know what anything's doing. I, I, I don't know. I talked to a friend this past week. He says, yeah, I want to buy a, a new skid steer. But they're so expensive right now. I'm just going to wait till the whole economy collapses and then I'll buy one. And I'm going, yeah. We don't know what's in front of us. But I know the one who is. And this morning... You can have your sins forgiven. You can have a brand new life. You can have that thankfulness every day. The glory of God of what he did for you is doing for you and will do for you. If you've never prayed and received the Lord, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Christ into your life. And so let's pray and let's see what God will do in your life. And if you're a Christian and you've drifted away from the Lord and you believe the lies of the world, like we started this uh, time together this morning, and you begin to believe the lies and how good it was back in Egypt serving Satan and Pharaoh and all that kind of stuff, I just want to invite you to come back to Jesus where the real life and real freedom is in him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for everything you are. Jesus, I invite you into my life today. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I've lived a life my way and I'm not happy. And so I ask you now to come into my life and change me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so from this day forward, I want to live in you. I want to be about your business. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about what you want me to do in Jesus' name. Amen.
He prayed that. Welcome to God's family. 